the best of the fest. Let's talk to the pros. Welcome in, everybody, to Fantasy Pros. This is the Fantasy Baseball Podcast. It is me, Joey P., and today we have a very special offering for you. It's the best of the fest. That's right, in case you missed it, on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash MLB. We had a four-hour festival of some of the best minds in fantasy baseball, and we talked everything from breakouts to busts to prospects. We did a mock draft. We did it all, and you can watch it all in recap over on that YouTube channel, Fantasy Pros MLB. But we decided to do a little something special for all of you, too, which is in case you didn't have the time for all four hours, which I can't imagine why... We decided to give you a little best of podcast with some of the fantastic moments we had from that show. And it was a star-studded event. We had Dalton Del Don on from Yahoo. We had Casey Bubba, Nick Pollock from Pitcher List. We had Frank Stamfel, Lauren Auerbach, Welsh and Bogman did the mock draft. Of course, Derek Van Riper joined us and Eric Cross also as well. So some of the best minds of fantasy baseball were there. So I encourage you to check out all of it. But for this little condensed version today, we're going to give you three segments. We're going to give you some snippets from Derek Van Riper talking about breakouts and bounce back candidates for 2022. We're going to talk with Eric Cross about some spring prospects, what we've seen so far this spring and our expectations now for those guys in 22. And we're going to have a little fun also with little ADP wars between Frank Stample of CBS and Lauren Auerbach from SP Streamer. So before we kick things off there, I just want to remind everybody we've got a new contest going on there, an MLB giveaway for you, fantasypros.com slash contest. Thanks to our friends at Pristine Auction. Austin Riley autographed jersey can be yours. All you have to do is subscribe to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash MLB. Screenshot that bad boy and then head over to fantasypros.com slash MLB contest. Again, it's different now. Fantasypros.com slash MLB contest. So the regular contest is for football. The MLB one is for the Austin Riley jersey. Thanks to Pristine Auction. So go get involved with that. And don't forget, our draft kit from MLB is completely free. So go to fantasypros.com slash kit and you can dominate your draft with our latest tools for MLB. It's loaded with consensus rankings, projections, salary cap values, printable cheat sheets, sleepers, bust, draft strategy, and a whole lot more. And you can get it all for free. Did I mention that? It's for free at fantasypros.com slash kit. So without further ado, let's kick things off here with Derek Van Riper of The Athletic talking about bounce back candidates for 2022 and breakouts as well. We hope you enjoy. Our next guest comes to us from The Athletic. So you know, we just had Bogman and Welsh on, which is more like Animal House. So now we're going to raise things up a little bit, get more highbrow with somebody much more sophisticated than the Welsh and Bogman. He's our good friend, Derek Van Riper. DVR, it's so nice to see you. We were talking how once upon a time you and I used to do a show together every week so many years ago. No, I did not have hair then. I was still bald. <laughs> but DVR, uh, glad to see your continued success. And it's great to have you here on the festival tonight, my friend. Hey, likewise. Thanks for having me, Joe. It's great to talk to you. Now, tonight, DVR and I are going to go through some breakouts and bounce backs. And this is one of the most important things, because if you get the bounce backs right, buying the players low on the dip, it could be a huge difference maker in your leagues. And Derek, how do you approach some of these guys? Are you somebody that's specifically targeting some of the players that are off down years that have a big track record or maybe a player that was 
hurt out of nowhere last year and people have soured on a little bit. Are you somebody that likes to give people a second chance on your rosters? Yeah, absolutely. I think a, a lot of the the value you can find kind of in the back of the top 100 or even in the 100 to 150 overall range in a lot of leagues is players that might be approaching 30 years old. They've been in the league for four plus years. They're coming off a down year. A couple examples last year, Jose Altuve and Chris Bryant, that they were both great bounce back candidates last year mm-hmm. and they came through. This year, we've got two guys whose careers have been seemingly like in sync for the last four years or so now, Christian Yelich and Cody Bellinger. You kind of have to make an either or choice in a lot of drafts because they go so close together. But two MVP level guys that are coming off of very disappointing 2021 seasons, both, I think, due to injuries. I love getting at least one of those guys as one of my core hitters, especially if I'm in a situation where I'm pushing pitching early on and maybe I'm even in a spot where I have to get two closers before I start thinking about building my offense like that. It's been such a strange year. This board is unlike anything I've really ever seen before. Um, so I love targeting players like that. And there's not just outfielders too. I would say Anthony Rendon is another guy that just jumps off the page, right? The batting right. average floor is off the charts high. You're getting at least 25 home run type power and the run production in that lineup with a hopefully healthy Mike Trout and Shohei Otani. That is an incredible trio. The supporting cast around those guys isn't bad. Uh, I love targeting players like this because the track records are good. It just comes down to staying healthy again. And I think in a lot of these cases, we're talking about players that prior to last season did have good track records of health. Now, let's circle back and talk about Yelich and Bellinger, because as you mentioned, they are going back to back, which to me means you're going to have to make a choice between the two of them. So I don't like things in a vacuum. So let's take them one at a time. Let's talk about in your five by five roto category league, the standard kind of fantasy baseball format. Which of those two guys do you want to invest in when they're both on the board? You can only have one. Who do you want? I think Bellinger makes a little bit more sense. I think he's a few years younger. With that, you've got a little better chance to get all the way back to the power. I think the thing that people would be concerned about is that if you look at projections right now for how that lineup is built, he's probably in the bottom third of the Dodgers lineup on opening day. But things can change. If he hits enough, they can shuffle things around. He can very easily move into the middle third of that lineup. And I don't know if hitting seventh in the Dodgers lineup is that bad. It might be just as good as hitting third for the Brewers. So uh, I do think lineup context being fantastic for Cody Bellinger erases some of those concerns. I do wonder depth-wise if if both of these players are in positions that they're going to get occasional days off, which was not the case at their peak. I think that's probably more likely with Bellinger than it is with Yelich, but I just have more confidence in Bellinger's power coming all the way back to those pre-shoulder injury levels. We saw some of the underlying stat cast numbers take a turn back in the right direction late last season. Do you have more faith in Bellinger also because in terms of what you saw out of him a few years ago, that was what was projected for him. He was a player that was supposed to be a big power guy and all this, whereas Yelich was somebody who sort of was more of a doubles hitter, maybe a guy you thought high batting average, maybe he could make a run of batting title. And then all of a sudden he became not just a good power hitter, but a prolific power hitter when he moved from Miami to Milwaukee. I don't know the first year he moved there, it seemed unsustainable. He had to get 22 home runs in the final two months of the season. And everyone said, well, I don't know if we could buy into that. And then he had basically the same run the following year. Is that what makes Yelich a little bit harder to reinvest in? Because that wasn't necessarily supposed to be his profile to begin with. Yeah, I think a little bit. And I think the other thing that I've, I've been kind of stuck on lately is that the the problems Yelich had in Miami, the reason why he didn't show power prior to getting to Milwaukee was that he had a ton of ground balls back then. The average launch angle last season was very similar to what we were seeing from him before he went to Milwaukee in the first place. 
if you make the adjustment once, the assumption is, sure, you could make it again. But I also wonder if there's a, a different location strategy that opposing pitchers have been using against Yelich that have made it more difficult for him to launch the ball as consistently as he did during that MVP stretch. So I think the bounce backs from these two players look a little bit different. I think Yelich is going to be a more balanced five category sort of player. I think it could be more of a high teens, low 20s home run sort of output. Plenty of runs scored, decent number of RBIs, but probably still 12 to 15 steals as well. And if you can't get 20 plus bags from a lot of players in your core, it's really nice to get a few guys that at least get you 12 plus to kind of balance things out that way. Let's talk about these two guys from a salary cap standpoint then. So let's say you're going to get one of these guys possibly at a greater discount than the other. How much of a discount would you need to pivot off of Bellinger to Yelich if you prefer one over the other, which it seems like you like Bellinger over Yelich? Would you need a $5 discount where you go, eh, that's enough where I'd rather have Yelich or 10? How much of the divide financially would you need? Oh, it's probably only a couple of bucks. So if you're in a scenario okay. where Yelich gets nominated first and bidding's in the, the high teens and I'm in, right? I'm in up to probably 19 or 20 on Yelich. So I'd be okay. happy to take him there and and forego maybe not having enough in my budget left to go get Bellinger at a similar price. All right. You mentioned Anthony Rendon. I want to get to a couple of these third basemen too that are coming off down years. So Rendon's no stranger to injury. He's missed significant time in his career. Then there was a window in the middle there where things were going really well. So at this point, at his age where he's at, you know, he's falling significantly in terms of ADP, at least significantly enough, in my opinion, where he becomes a value. We just were talking about him in the mock draft. Bogman was kind of upset. He is going as the 10th third baseman off the board. The guy before him is Alex Bregman. Now, just a year ago, Alex Bregman was a guy who was going at the end of the first round, beginning of the second round, kind of a player. Where'd you go with Alex Bregman or would you go with Anthony Rendon? I know there's about 25 picks in between them, but in terms of where they are third base, would you prioritize Alex Bregman over him or would you wait a little bit longer and maybe have the fallback of an Anthony Rendon instead? Yeah, the shape of the position at third base is a little unusual. It does tail off <laughs> a little bit. You get a lot of questions at the guys that go kind of in the pick 100 to 175 range. Interesting players in that range, but just a lot less certainty. Uh, I'm comfortable enough with Rendon where I'm not in snake drafts, I'm not as likely to end up with Bregman. In a salary cap situation, I'm much more likely to have Bregman because it flattens out the players that go in that range of our drafts. I think with Bregman, as long as he continues to show that he's healthy this spring, there's no reason why he can't bounce back to pretty significant levels. I mean, this is an interesting change for them because they lost George Springer a year ago. Carlos Correa is gone now. I don't think they're getting a major upgrade at shortstop. So this Houston lineup is still going to be very good, but maybe not at the elite level that we're accustomed to. So I'm curious to see if that actually has a negative impact on players like Bregman and Michael Brantley and Jose Altuve because the quality of the supporting cast is taking a little bit of a hit with a glove-first guy like Jeremy Pena breaking in as a big league player for the first time. I think with, you know, with Bregman, he fits the park perfectly. His approach at the plate makes so right. much sense for a guy that gets to play half his games with the Crawford boxes in left field in Houston. So yeah, it's really snake versus salary cap as far as how I would handle those two players. All right, let's talk another infielder here, DJ LeMahieu, who a couple years ago completely just broke the projections, right? Nobody thought he would move to New York out of Colorado and become what he became. And he had a good 2020. And then last year, just off the map, I mean, it was not good. And now they've brought a little insurance here where they've got DJ LeMahieu in the middle infield. They've got uh, IKF who came over uh, in that <laughs> that trade. Just poor, poor Isaiah Kiner-Falefa. I think he was there. <laughs> in Minnesota for what he went from the Rangers to the twins. And then like 
two days later, he was going to the Yankees. So they've got some insurance now and they've got Anthony Rizzo back at first base. So LeMahieu is kind of a guy with Donaldson at third. Is he even an everyday player? Last year, the batting average dropped down to 268. I mean, he still makes pretty good contact, but the power went back to where it used to be, which is around 10 home runs, which is typically where we're used to. He wasn't a 20 home run guy. So we're going to look back at DJ as that was the outlier, or do you think that there's a bounce back season here potentially for this guy who could be very appealing because he qualifies all over the infield? Yeah, I think 2019 will still go down as a career year. But if he bounces back, I think it's going to be probably the second best home run total of his career. I mean, prior to that 26 homer season in 2019, the career high was 15. And that was playing half his games in Colorado for most of his career, which I think is a big part of why we were all so surprised. Much like Alex Bregman fits the park in Houston as well as he does. DJ LeMay, who's a perfect fit for Yankee Stadium as a righty that can spray the ball all over the place. He can go to the opposite field with power. The batting average should easily be in that 290-300 range. We know there's room for more. I think if you set the expectations into the 15 to 18 range for home runs, you're a lot less likely to be disappointed. And so much of the struggle last year seemed to be related to the sports hernia. He had surgery for that, and he said that he feels completely healthy. So I think with Luke Voigt gone, it's a lot easier to see DJ LeMahieu still as a max volume player. He's good defensively. He can play multiple spots. I think he's a good candidate to end up leading off again throughout the season as well. I know Aaron Hicks is healthy right now, but Hicks tends to move around in the lineup a little bit more than LeMayhew does. So I think this could be a nice bounce back year for DJ LeMayhew. It's just not going to be quite as good as that 2019 was. All right, let's move and shift gears to a pitcher here. The last time we saw Justin Verlander going out in a full season, he struck out 300 guys a year before that 290. Now he hasn't thrown a pitch in a major league game since 2020. He threw one game for six innings and now it's 2022. So he is very removed here from the surgery. I guess the question here is, do you think that Justin Verlander just steps back in here at his age and is the Justin Verlander he was when he left or is he somebody completely different? I'm of the mind DVR that I kind of feel like he could step back in and be that ace. But what do you think? I'm on the same page. I mean, even if we're talking 90% of the pitcher that he was before he got hurt. That's still pretty much a top 10 starting pitcher. I think the area where he could fall just a little bit short is workload, but I don't know if the Astros have the luxury of being careful with him. And I think when we're talking about a 39 year old coming off of Tommy John surgery and a guy who is more than a full year removed, about 18 months, I think removed from his surgery, I get the sense that they're going to let him go about as much as we've seen any pitcher take a high workload after Tommy John. Interesting, too, the structure of his contract. It's a one-year, $25 million deal. That's not an insignificant amount of money by any stretch of the imagination. Plus, there's a vesting option if he gets to 130 innings. So I'm not looking at Verlander and projecting him like a top 10 starter in terms of workload. I'm just not ruling out the possibility. I think where he goes, often now with the, the elevation we're seeing in his ADP, kind of in the pick 75 to 90 range, I'm fine with that. If Justin Verlander is my mm-hmm. first starting pitcher on a team, I'm obviously going to back him up with a lot of other pitchers that I really like in the next three to five rounds. But I think he can come back and be a low threes ERA, a low like 1.05 whip guy that's still missing a ton of bats. Which brings us to the breakouts because we're going to need some of those guys along with a guy like Ferdlander at the top of a rotation. So Freddie Peralta was definitely a breakout last year. Uh, We saw a few other pitchers take a big step forward. Dylan Cease was one. Robbie Ray obviously completely uh, took another step forward all the way to a Cy Young. 
Uh, so who do you have your eye on this year in terms of pitchers that you feel like can take that next step and really kind of break out, whether it be you saw a small sample or maybe just a guy that's been in the big leagues a couple of years that maybe could have another gear in them like an Eduardo Rodriguez or someone like that? Yeah, one guy I've been watching really closely, and now we got to watch the news, is Luis Patino. I think the mm-hmm. raised track record for pitching is incredible. This is a guy that's been very young for the level everywhere he's pitched. Injuries last season kept his workload very low relative to expectations, spent a little more time in AAA than we would have expected as well. Still just 22. It's a big fastball. It's a big slider. I think with the Rays, I trust that they're always able to simplify something with a young pitcher. If the third pitch doesn't come through quickly enough, maybe they put an opener in front of him and he goes four or five as sort of a a bulk option. That works with an opener because we can still get wins, which are unfortunately such a huge part of our life in our our fantasy game. But I think with Patino, we've seen good control now at the big league level. The strikeout stuff could be 11, 12 strikeouts per nine. I think it's that kind of ceiling. We saw it from in the minor leagues. It's just a matter of time. So hopefully this this issue that got him scratched from his scheduled start on Tuesday isn't a big deal because he's the pitcher that I've wanted the most as a very undervalued starter that could push easily to the 150 inning range and maybe get us frontline type ratios in the process. As you mentioned, a lot of young pitchers took that leap last year. So I'm surprised that he wasn't commanding a higher price on draft day at this point. Yeah, uh, the Rays are always that team DVR that you got to pay attention to. That's why whenever they make a signing too, even if it's somebody like Corey Kluber, I don't want to go back to the Corey Kluber well, but there's part of me that's so morbidly curious that I feel like I've got to just try one share somewhere just to see because the Rays seem to always know something we don't. Uh, Here's a fun question here from our Peanuts and Cracker Jacks. Uh, Nick C is asking, uh, is Clevenger the best value uh, this year. Um, Clevenger is a player. He was flat out dominant. Like he's not a breakout guy. He's more of a bounce back candidate, but coming off the Tommy John, sometimes the velocity comes back. The feel for pitching lingers a little bit longer. It takes a little longer to, to actually hit the same stride. So in your opinion, is Clevenger somebody that you're targeting? Heck, I just took him in our mock draft, but <laughs> mm-hmm. just last hour. Yeah, I like Clevenger where he's been going. I think he could catch helium just because he seems to be pretty healthy this spring. Pick 175 seemed to be a spot where he would often go. It wouldn't surprise me at all if we get to the last weekend before opening day and he's going 40 or 50 picks earlier than that with just a few good spring starts. I think the track record he was putting together will get people excited again. Even though Petco doesn't play as pitcher friendly as it did five plus years ago, it's still a good park for pitchers. I could see him maybe closing the gap and going where Clayton Kershaw currently goes, right? I could see... Mm -hmm. I could see Clevenger versus Luis Severino being more of a toss-up. Of all of those pitchers coming off Tommy John surgery, I think it's right that Verlander goes a lot earlier than the rest. I do like him the most. I would say it's Verlander 1, Severino 2, and Clevenger 3. Syndergaard's in the conversation for me as well. I just think the ceiling those guys showed when they were healthy is high enough where the risk actually makes sense. A lot of times it doesn't with guys coming off Tommy John, but this is a unique group of players coming off major injuries that we should actually be interested in everyone I've talked to has been touting Patrick Sandoval as one of these breakout guys this year for pitchers. What do you think about that? Is he another guy that's on that list for you? I'm fine with Sandoval, but I think I'm missing out. Because- <laughs> I'm going to take that as a no DVR. You are not excited. It didn't seem nearly as much as Nick Pollock and some other people have been. Right. And I think there's always someone like that in my drafts. So there's always someone that likes Patrick Sandoval more than me. If he fell a round or two off his ADP and I needed pitching, it could certainly happen. But I have not been targeting him the same way that a lot of other people have. 
I don't think the stuff is overpowering. I think it's a little more finesse, a little more of a deep arsenal. That could obviously work. I actually like the Angels as a team to just be better this year for mm-hmm. uh, some of the reasons we talked about earlier with Rendon being healthy, you know, healthy Mike Trout. All of those things could be things that push them back maybe into the, the thick of the AL West race and hopefully for their sake into the postseason. I think when I see Patrick Sandoval, I, I wonder what are we going to get in terms of ratios? Are we really going to get the stuff that we got last year, a 362 ERA and a 121 whip? Or are we talking about a guy who's going to creep into that that Andrew Heaney range of always frustrating us because he shows flashes of being a strikeout per inning starter with good ratios, can't stay healthy, and then comes back and when he finally is healthy, tacks a run under the ERA. Like I, I just, I don't have that same level of confidence that, that Nick and some of the other good analysts out there have. So, Maybe I'm missing something with Sandoval, but um, he has not been a, a frequent target of mine. I can understand. All right, let's talk about some of the younger players, too, that have gotten some taste of the big leagues. Joe Adele, Alex Kirilov. These are players that I feel like have uh, opportunity, at least in 2022, to take another step forward. Another guy like Dylan Carlson, Brian Hayes. I feel like there's a lot of guys that people were high on the last couple of years, and they haven't quite lived up to the hype yet, but I feel like they're all really low values right now. And to me, I want to start buying in on Carlson, on Alec Bohm, uh, maybe Jared Kelenic too, another player that was such a disappointment last year. Any of these guys or maybe some other words stick out to you that you feel like are ready to take that jump this year and maybe have a breakout season? I guess I can't quite understand the difference in price between Jared Kelenic and Dylan Carlson. Carlson can do a bit of everything. Uh, I think the the park situation maybe is a little worse, but it, it, age to level, what Dylan Carlson has done is actually very impressive. I think when a player comes up and doesn't fall on his face, we should be pretty amazed by that. I think Andrew Vaughn kind of right. fits this description too. Like what he did, changing positions, making the leap from high A last year is really impressive. So Carlson makes all the sense in the world to me going outside the top 150. I, have, I don't have any hesitation about drafting Jared Kelnick. I feel like, that's more of a salary cap situation in redraft for me than it is a snake draft situation based on the, the difference in price. I do think we're going to see Dylan Carlson run a little bit more. This is a Cardinals team that may need to find ways to manufacture runs. I don't know mm-hmm. if we're ever going to get you know, 20 plus steals, but again, I was, I'm looking for guys that can get me 8, 10, 12 bags, and I think Carlson could actually bring that. Love the plate skills, love the developing power. Should be fine in the counting stats because he's going to play nearly every day as well. So he absolutely is on my radar as a young player that maybe people have, have lost a little bit of faith in and they probably shouldn't have. I'm pretty curious to see what kind of adjustments Tarek Skubal is still making when the games begin to count. Everyone loves the strikeouts. This is going back to the pitching side just for a minute, but there's so much hard contact he's allowed. He can't keep attacking hitters the way he was attacking hitters before you can't lead the league in hard contact that's just not a sustainable approach long term just encouraged by the fact that he's been trying to make some adjustments Uh, there was one other young position player that I was just looking at the other day that I thought this is ridiculous how do people not like him more I, I do think you brought up Joe Adele if we had more clarity on his playing time I'd be in I think the massive improvement in his strikeout rate last year is very encouraging I just don't know if they're ready to say goodbye to Justin Upton or at least put him in more of a clear-cut bench role at this point. The fact that they want to play Mike Trout. I'm ready to Trout, say goodbye to Justin yeah, Upton. I'm yeah, just, I mean, they, maybe, and maybe what they did moving on from Pujols early last season is a sign that they'd be willing to do that with Upton. But playing Mike Trout in center field means Brandon Marsh and Joe Adele have to probably share a spot more than we would like them to. So that's my only hesitation 
with Joe Adele early on. I could see him in mixed leagues being someone that gets drafted, dropped at some point in April, and then picked up in a lot of 12-team leagues in May when they finally make that adjustment, and then we could finally get that breakout that we've been waiting for. Yeah, Brendan Rodgers is another guy to me that sticks out like a sore thumb, where I look at his ADP, he plays in Colorado. I'm pretty sure right now he's going to be locked into an everyday job. I, do, I just I don't get it. I don't understand why people aren't more excited about him. I think I probably haven't ranked higher than anybody else on fantasy pros, but that's another player to me that I feel like situation, talent, ballpark factor, all those things kind of come together at the same time. DVR, before I let you go here, who are some of the other guys that you think might be breakout stars or ready to to make that step forward that maybe you've been targeting in drafts or you have some shares of already? been piling up a lot of Gavin Lux and uh, the last week has really? not been very kind to me. <laughs> oh, okay. What, what was the thought process behind the Gavin Lux situation? Because was before the Freddie Freeman signing and everything going down there. Was that it? Before Freeman and even before Kevin Pillar, I, I think if you looked at it even after Freeman, you could say, well, he's kind of the backup. Gavin Lux is basically the backup at any spot other than catcher. Even if he doesn't right. play all those positions, they shuffle somebody else into that empty spot and then he picks up the vacancy. Maybe there's more going on health-wise with Max Muncy's elbow and, and maybe some other factors like that that we, we're not currently aware of. But I think part of the appeal for me with Lux is actually similar to Dylan Carlson. Age to level, the production is encouraging from the plate skills perspective. I think he controls the strike zone pretty well. I know some of the underlying stat cast numbers have been disappointing, but I saw Lux as a guy that was actually going to start stealing some more bases. We'd get long tail contributions in that category, and cheap speed is so hard to find that if you're getting that with semi-regular playing time, that plays in a lot of the deeper mixed leagues that I play in. So maybe I'm still in even as the price continues to drop with all the uncertainty right now. I just have to go into it with the mindset of cutting him loose if the playing time is not there to begin the season because on paper right now, he looks like a clear-cut part-time guy. Cheap steals are hard to find, but good information is always easy when Derek Van Riper's around. Make sure you check out all of his work at The Athletic and listen to the podcast there. And of course, follow him on the Twitter machine at Derek Van Riper. DVR, so great to have you on and hang out a little bit and talk baseball. You look great. You sound great. I hope you're doing well and enjoying your new Bay Area lifestyle, as I'm told, right? that's Is that what you're doing here? You're going to Giants games too? Oh, man. Oracle Park is amazing. I got there once the end of last season right after I got here. It is my favorite park in the big leagues and warm weather winters. Uh, they suit me just fine after spending my entire life in the Midwest. You deserve that. Uh, the garlic fries are a little much for me. A little strong. <laughs> Did you try the garlic fries there or no? No, I got the nachos. There's there's a restaurant around oh. the corner by the Willie Mays statue that has amazing nachos. I highly recommend those. It's a great ballpark, but the garlic fries, man, if anybody sits and even like in your row <laughs> or in a five seat radius of you, it's it's a lot. It's a lot to take in there. But I want to I want to hear your review. I want you to go out and get some garlic fries. Let's take a quick break in the action to tell you about Fantrax. I want to tell you about an awesome baseball giveaway being done by our friends over at Fantrax. You can enter to win tickets to any MLB game for you and your entire fantasy league up to $1,000 towards travel and accommodations, and you can enter by creating a free account over at Fantrax.com slash FantasyPros. Then either create a new league, join an active league, or bring over your existing leagues from another platform for free. All existing Fantrax leagues are automatically included in the giveaway, and remember, more leagues you're a part of, the more chances you have to win. Each active league counts as one active entry, and the winner will be chosen and emailed by April 29th. So get on that. Again, go to Fantrax.com slash Fantasy Pros to enter now. That's Fantrax.com slash Fantasy Pros. And now, back to the action. 
Great stuff, as always, from Derek Van Riper. You can follow him on the Twitter machine, at Derek Van Riper. Next up, we have for you a little debate. That's right. A who would you rather have in terms of ADP, two players, same position, right neck and neck, and Frank Stample from CBS and Lauren Auerbach from SB Streamer are going to make those decisions. The nice thing about making new friends here is you get to bring people together. And these two people don't know each other. And I'm going to pit them in a cage match to the death about some ADP. And that's very exciting to me. He's Frank Stample from CBS. You know him, obviously, from Fantasy Baseball Today. And, of course, he's been on our pod a million times. And Lauren Auerbach, our new best friend, was just on our last mock draft episode. She's a co-host of SP Streamer. Lauren, you've come back for round two again. So it must not have been so bad the first time with me. No, it wasn't that bad, you know? Yeah, you guys were great. It was fun coming on. No, I'm actually very happy to be here and happy to uh, uh, do this with you and Frank. Well, I'm tolerated at best by Chris. Uh, and now Frank Stample, once again, the blue light special, I'm going to call you. What, what would you like? Did you murder a bunch of Smurfs in this room? Why is it always so blue? What's going on here? I don't know, man. I think it's like the background just kind of like takes over everything. It's just like so strong, but I, I don't know. I'll, I'll figure it out eventually. What's going on, Joey P? <laughs> oh, Frank, if you were a Smurf, what would be your Smurf name? Do you, uh, you, you're too young for the Smurfs. Do you even know who the Smurfs are? Yeah, those little blue guys. Uh, yeah. I have no they idea. They all had names. It was like, they weren't clever. Like the, <laughs> the angry one was Grumpy Smurf. And like this guy was yeah. like, like, the guy who fixed things was Handy Smurf. What, what are you? Are you like DH Smurf? Like what, what, what's your what's your Smurf name? I'll go with the uh, Twitter handle. I'll go with Roto Smurf. Why not? Let, let's Roto Smurf. Like Fantasy I like that. I like that. Nice. The Roto Smurf Frank Stample. You nailed it as always, <laughs> Frankie boy. I love it. All right. So we're going to have a little fun today. I picked two players at each position who are going neck and neck, basically in ADP. And I want to put these two wonderful guests of ours against each other on the clock to see which one they would rather have. And why? Because these are kind of the situations we all have to go through in our drafts or our mock drafts or just in life. We have to make hard decisions sometimes. So I'm going to put these two at it. And if there is a disagreement over the two players, I will try to break the tie as best I can and we'll see how it goes. So Ladies and gentlemen, are you ready to uh, to go ahead and have a little ADP? Would you rather? Yeah, let's do, let's it. do it. All right, let's go. All right, so let's start at first base. Our first one is number 46 overall, St. Louis Cardinals first baseman Paul Goldschmidt coming off a very strong season last year, no doubt about that. A lot of people were kind of souring on Paul Goldschmidt. Not this bald-headed moron. That's right. Last year, I told everybody, bye, bye, bye. And we did pretty well on those Paul Goldschmidt shares. And then there's another guy going right after him at 47, Pete Alonzo, where my heart is, the polar bear. These are two very good first basemen in terms of the power you're going to get out of them. Lauren, I'm going to let you go first. Who would you rather have on your fantasy team, Paul Goldschmidt or Pete Alonzo? You're on the clock. Ooh, this is tough, but I am going to go with uh, Goldie. Um, I like him. He's coming off of a great year. He's just got that really steady, uh, you know, track record. Um, and what I like about him, I guess, what kind of seals the deal for me is that he will give you um, a couple of steals, you know, throw in, you know, maybe five to 10 steals, which is something that you don't get a lot of at the first base position. So I like the, I like the power, 30 homers, 10 steals, good average. Give me Goldie. All right, Goldie is going one spot above, so she has thrown down the gauntlet, Frank Stample. I know you're a sucker for power. Pete Alonzo might have more of a power upside. Would you rather have Goldschmidt or Pete Alonzo on your team? 
Yeah, I like both of these guys quite a bit, but I'm going to take Paul Goldschmidt as well. Bounced back last season, uh, 294, 31 homers, 102 runs, 99 RBI. The guy has hit 286 or better every season but one, and that was back in 2019 when he hit 260. So I trust the batting average, stat cast numbers, everything supports what Paul Goldschmidt did last year. In fact, his stat cast numbers were better last year than his entire career. And this is someone who, I think he's probably like a borderline Hall of Fame player, right? So hmm. uh, like you, you consider just how good he's been in his career and StatCast was was better last year than it's ever been. So everything supports what he did. Strong plate discipline. So whether you play in a points league or in a roto league, Lauren's right. He's going to give you a couple of steals as well. Uh, I like both, but I'll take Goldie over uh, Pete Alonso as well. Goldschmidt has 630 home run seasons to his credit and four 100 RBI seasons. You're right, Frank. I mean, I think Paul Goldschmidt, you know, another couple of years like this, we're gonna have to start to have those kind of conversations. Uh, and and the all round productivity is great. Oh, Lauren, what do you make of the bounce back in the stolen bases? Because in 2020, in the shortened season, he stole just one mm-hmm. in the 58 games last year, bounced back up to 12. That's the best mark he's had since 2017. Do you think that that you know, somewhere around 10 to 12 stolen bases is something you can count on from Goldschmidt in 2022? No, I wouldn't pencil in uh, double digits. You know, I'm thinking, I think if you kind of pencil in, you know, five to eight, if you get 10, anything above 10 is going to be uh, gravy. But no, I'm stick me in the five to eight range. And a lot of the projections have him kind of as a seven, eight uh, stolen base guy this year. What are your expectations for Goldschmidt, Frank, when it comes to stolen bases specifically? Yeah, I think six to eight makes a lot of sense. You look at the projection systems again, all between seven and eight. Uh, so I'm not necessarily trusting the 12 that we got last year, but out of position steals, fantastic for mm-hmm. Roto, head to head categories, leagues. You know, a lot of first basemen are not going to provide speed. So even if he gives you those six to eight, it really does help make that difference. So uh, yeah, I'm, I'm expecting right around that range. And if he gives you double digits, that is beautiful. All right. If you're enjoying the content here, I encourage everybody to hit that like button, smash the like button. I told you it's how I recharge myself every single day for all of these podcasts without your likes. I just can't do it. And also we want you to interact with us here. And I see a bunch of comments. So let's pull some of these horns fan wants to know, speaking of stolen bases here, is it a viable strategy to punt steals in a 10 team head to head categories league? So Lauren, if you're in a head to head 10 team league where you might want to punt a category. Would you consider punting steals since stolen bases really have dropped off dramatically in the last few years? I will say I don't play a lot of head to head, but what I have, uh, I'm, I, what I think I know about it is that this is that the categories that you can punt, um, are steals and batting average, but, uh, Frank may be a better person to ask this. Frank, I, you know, I don't play a lot of head to head categories either. I play head to head points or Roto against my will when someone ties me to a chair. Uh, Frank, what about you? Do you think that steals is something in a shallow league like that that you can punt? 1000%. They are an independent mm-hmm. statistic. They don't count towards anything else. Punt steals, target guys that are going to give you batting average, home runs. All of those things are intertwined. Every time someone hits a home run, they help you in runs, RBI, batting average. So try and get as many of those four category contributors as you possibly can. Punt steals. I'm all about it. All right, let's go to one more here. Brian Sawyer asks, first he says, I just subscribed to the channel. Good for you, Brian. Your life's going to get a whole lot better now. And now you might win a Ronald Acuna jersey because not only did you subscribe, but you also dropped a little comment and a question. Joey Votto or Anthony Rizzo? There's one for thought. I mean, in OBP leagues, it's hard not to like Joey Votto, but he's losing a lot of guys around him. Frank, who would you rather have? That's a fun one at first base. Joey Votto or Anthony Rizzo? 
Yeah, I'd much rather have Joey Votto. I'm buying into what we saw last year. He kind of made that transition in the shortened 2020 season as well. Power looks like it's legit. Gives you strong OBP. Counting stats you worry about because of the surrounding lineup there with the Cincinnati Reds. But, Joe, I was on the Fantasy Pros podcast last week, and I mentioned the profit pocket. There are four first basemen that I profit love waiting pocket. on. Joey Votto, <laughs> CJ Crone, Reese Hoskins, and I'm forgetting one of them, Josh Bell. If I can wind up with any of those, if I wait at the position, perfectly fine with that. Now, Lauren, I have to abstain from this question as an Italian. It's very mm -hmm. difficult to, for me to pick between Joey Votto and mm -hmm. Anthony Rizzo. So, Lauren, are you with Frank? Would you take Votto or are you like maybe Anthony Rizzo full year in Yankee Stadium? No, a thousand percent with Frank. This is Joey Votto. And I like that Frank brought up this uh, kind of value pocket of the first baseman. I call it kind of the sweet spot. Um, this is the area. Those four guys are who I am targeting. And Joey Votto is in that mix. All right, let's move on to the next position here. Cattell Marte, 78th overall, the number nine second baseman off the board right now on fantasypros.com and the consensus ADP. Jorge Polanco, what a season he had last year. He is number 81 overall, the 10th second baseman off the board. Frank, we'll start with you on this one. Who would you rather have, Jorge Polanco or Cattell Marte? They're both on the board for you. Who makes it to your roster? All right, Joe. You're good at your job here because I like both of these names as well. So Jorge Polanco and Cattell Marte. I will lean with Cattell Marte. I, I trust what Polanco did last year. He leaned into this pull-heavy approach, lots of fly balls. The Twins lineup is getting better around him. But I just still think Cattell Marte's overall upside is higher. I think this is someone that can hit well over 300, can provide you know 22 to 25 home runs, maybe double-digit steals. I wish we can get him out of, out of Arizona. That would be fantastic just for his counting stats overall. And I think it would help with his power too, but uh, it's close. Give me the batting average with Cattell Marte. I think the upside is a little bit higher than Jorge Polanco. Well, there's a good chance he gets dealt at some point too. I think <laughs> Cattell Marte could yeah. certainly help. You know, that dual eligibility is nice too, second and, and outfield that he could help some teams there too, very versatile. And Jorge Polanco has dual eligibility too, second and shortstop. So Lauren, would you rather have Polanco or Marte? Polanco. Give me Polanco all day. You know, I've been, uh, he is a second baseman that I have been targeting uh, this draft season. You know, I I'm really buying into his uh, 2021 season where he had 33 home runs, 11 uh, stolen bases, and he uh, had a 269 uh, batting average, you know, and it's, he's also durable. You know, he's the, the past two full seasons, he's played at least 152 games. Mm -hmm. I like the lineup in Detroit. I just think that there is a lot of power upside there. You get the stolen bases. This is a guy that I, I would pencil in for about uh, 10 uh, stolen bases. And so I like that power speed combo. These are guys that when I draft, these are guys that I'm targeting because you get that, that you know, four category uh, contributors. So I am team Polanco on this one. I have to break the tie here. And I got to tell you, I like both players, but I think I lean towards Polanco because you mentioned durability. That's that one thing to me. That's like the best ability nowadays in Major League Baseball is durability. The guys who are going to be out there every single game, 153 games you mentioned in 2019, 152 last year. He played 55 of the 60-game season the year before. So this guy's out there on the field. And I know he had a little cloud over him with the drug tests and all that stuff. We were just talking before the break. I miss those days. I miss the steroid era of baseball. Call <laughs> me crazy. Slugs. Yeah, come on. Let's have some more. I remember when, remember when 25 home runs was a disappointing power year. We were like, wow, what's wrong with that guy? He only had 25 home runs this year. But anyway... 
Polanco for me to break the tie. All right, let's go to the next one here. Uh, Lauren, you're going to start with this one. This is third base. We're going to go a little bit further down the ADP trough for this one. So at 146 overall, Yoan Mankata, the guy who every single year we have high hopes for and every single year somehow manages to disappoint us. Or at 147 overall, the 15th third baseman off the board, Matt Chapman, who fantastic love, but you don't get points for that in fantasy. Just signed an extension here with the Toronto Blue Jays. So he's in a really nice lineup. He's out of Oakland. Those are all positives. Chapman has shown you some good offensive seasons, certainly better than what we saw last year. But who would you rather have for 2022? Yoan Mankata or Matt Chapman, Lauren? So... Um, I am on record as being not a Moncada fan. So once you started with Moncada, I'm like, okay, I'm taking whoever is the other option. <laughs> so I'm going to make a case for um, uh, Matt Chapman. Um, you know, he's he's a power guy. I think the, the question with him, you know, he's going from Oakland he's to uh, Toronto. Um, I think that that ballpark change will help him. You know, and I think that he's had uh, a little bit of uh, bad luck last season. Uh, he had a, you know, his BABIP was about 20 points lower than uh, his career aver- average. You know, he's coming off of a, and he was coming off of a, um, I think a hip issue. And so I think that there were some issues there, but I, you know, I look at him as, you know, as probably a 30 Homer uh, guy, no steals. I think that, you know, but being in that uh, Toronto lineup, it's a powerhouse, you know? So I think that there's going to be a lot of run production there, uh, but he's going to, he's going to ding you in batting average. So I think that if you do take uh, Matt Chapman, you're going to have to build your roster for it. And you're going to have to make sure that, uh, you know, you, you can account for that um, because he is, you know, his plate approach, you know, he has over like 30, 30% uh, strikeout rates over the past two years. So uh, you want to be able, you know, to, to support that, but um, yeah, I'll, I'll roll with uh, Matt Chapman on this one. All right, Frank, you're up Moncada or Chapman. Who would you take? Yeah. Very similar approach here to Lauren. Once you, once I heard you on Moncada, I'm just hoping that it's someone that I even relatively like here. And it works out all right because I do like Matt Chapman. Uh, Look, it's a fantastic park shift going from Oakland to Toronto. It's a fantastic lineup that he's joining now. Hit a home run the other day, his first at bat with with the Toronto Blue Jays. So you don't want to get too excited about spring training. Speaking of which, Yo Moncada, best shape of his life, says he wants to steal 30 bases Mm -hmm. this upcoming season. Mm -hmm. He's just... It feels like he's a jag at this point, which isn't mm. fair to say because he's still young. He's 26 years old. But look at what he did last year. 263, 14 homers, 61 RBI, three steals. Just doesn't really stand out anywhere. He hasn't really been the same since a couple of years ago. Uh, he he had COVID. I think he might have had COVID twice. And he hasn't really been the same since you on Moncada. So I do worry about that. I like the White Sox lineup quite a bit as well. But give me Matt Chapman. Second half last year, his barrel rate, I believe, was sixth best in baseball. So uh, the power starting to come back one year further removed from that hip injury. Much better in OBP leagues than batting average. But uh, I will take Matt Chapman over you on Moncada. Moncada made my third base roster spot on my all bus team from this week's pod. What is it about certain guys, Frank, that somehow that prospect upside label no matter how many years they disappoint you, people keep buying in and buying in and buying in. Because I feel like Makata is one of those guys. And there's other people like that we like, they were high on, they did, they somehow don't live up to expectations and we discard them and they end up becoming really good players. But some other ones, they do the opposite and we keep giving them chance after chance. Why is that? And why is Makata one of those guys? 
I think it's because we saw the elite season out of him in 2019, right? Mm-hmm. 315 batting average, 25 homers, 10 steals, and everyone's still grasping at that and thinks that he has an opportunity to get back to that. He had a 915 OPS that season. So you're right. I mean, people like to hold on to these prospects and, you know, still hope that, you know, like in a, in a post-hype sleeper kind of way that he can bounce back and get back on track. And look, based on the lineup around him, you, I mean, you want to feel good about it, right? There's so many names in that lineup. Jose Abreu, Eloy Jimenez that we're excited about, Luis Robert. And, you know, there could just be so many opportunities for counting stats here. But for whatever reason, you know, outside of that 2019 season, when it was the the bouncy ball, the juice ball, by the way, he really has not done much for fantasy. So uh, as a result, at the ADP, I'm currently fading you on Moncada. All right, let's go to the peanuts and the Cracker Jacks. Larry Cardozo wants to know, Hader or Hendricks, Lauren? They're both on the board. How do you want to start? Which elite closer do you want on your team, Hader or Hendricks? I've been rolling with with Hendricks. Um, I think that this is like splitting hairs, though. Um, I think that you're perfectly fine with with either. But um, I've I've been going with Hendricks, um, even though uh, Hader has been available. Uh, I just I just I don't know. I can't. I just I just like him a little bit more. One of our good friends here at the show, Bizza Rizza Jizza, who is the seventh member of the Wu-Tang Clan, Luis Robert or Teoscar Hernandez, Frank, who would you rather have? Oof, I'm going with Luis Robert there. I'm pretty excited about what we saw from him in the second half last season. He returned from that hip injury, and he was just absolutely fantastic. Would not surprise me one bit if we're talking about Luis Robert as a top five pick in fantasy baseball this time next year. Can he hit 30 home runs and steal 20 bases and drive in 100 and hit 280 plus? I think that's all within the range of outcomes for him. So very, very excited about Luis Robert this season. I'm a little surprised about that answer. I didn't. I thought you were going to go the Teoscar. Lauren, would you go to Luis Robert or Teoscar Hernandez? I would go Teoscar Hernandez. Um, I just, you know, I love him. I think he actually signed a uh, contract today. Uh, He did. He did. They avoid arbitration. I also avoid arbitration today. So did Chris. So that's good. We're all going to be here for the rest (laughs) of the live stream today. So that's very good. All right. Let's go back to another one here. We've done first, second, and third. Let's go a little shortstop because shortstop's so deep. So everybody keeps telling me. Wander Franco, 48th overall, Francisco Lindor, 49th. Let's start with you here. Frank Stamfold, this is the 8th and ninth respective shortstops off the board on Fantasy Pros Consensus ADP. Who would you rather have, Lindor on the bounce back or Wander Franco on the growth spurt? Oh, man. Can I give you the cop-out answer and say it depends on format? Because I think that's you can. Really that, you know what? I don't think that's a cop-out answer. I always think that's a smart answer because I think what you're trying to say is they I would rather have one in certain spot and one in another spot because it makes more sense because of their skill set. So I don't think it's a cop-out answer at all. All right. So so cop-out. I'm going to take Wanda Franco (laughs) in head-to-head points leagues where – on-base skills and plate discipline just matter so much in that format. Remember last year he had the, whatever it was, 30, 35 on-base streak last amazing. season. I'm not yeah. sure where the power and the speed is necessarily going to be his first full season with Wander Franco, but I know that he's going to make a lot of contact. Even if he's not hitting home runs, those are going to be doubles. He's going to get on base. He's going to score runs. And all of those things are going to help him tremendously in a head-to-head points league. So I'll take him in that format. In any type of roto, head-to-head categories league, I'll take Francisco Lindor. I'm actually pretty excited about Francisco Lindor. First season in a new location, big city, New York. And we've heard this time and time again. We've seen it time and time again. Look at Bryce Harper a couple of years ago when he joined the Philadelphia Phillies. His first season was not great either. So I'm kind of giving Francisco Lindor a pass. Looked much, much better in September. Hit nine home runs. Had an OPS, I believe, approaching 900. Started hitting the ball in the air more. The barrel rate was up for Francisco Lindor. So I think we can see a... Kind of like a poor man's version of Jose Ramirez out of Francisco Lindor, where he hits Mm. 260, 
25 to 30 home runs, 10 to 15 steals, something like that. And in that Mets lineup, I think the counting stats will be really good. So Roto category is Lindor and a head-to-head points league. I'll take Wander Franco. All right, Lauren, how about you? Is it more of a it's I'll the same I, you know, format? Yeah. In the, yeah, and I, you know, I agree with with Frank. And I also um, you know, I also give I like guys going coming off of uh bad years because you know their their value tends to be a little bit uh depressed. And um, you know, Frank kind of nailed all these these points pretty well, but you know, he's going, you know, with Lindor, he was going to uh, it's his first year with with the Mets. Um, I, I like the bounce back. Uh, he also has a track record and I, and I, you know, if there's two guys and, um, I don't know, you know, which I should go with, I generally pick the guy with the track record, uh, mm-hmm. even though I think wonder, um, I think you'll see kind of his peak in a couple years more so than this year. I, I just don't know exactly what I'm going to be getting with wonder this year. So I'm going to go with a guy with the track record coming off the bad year. And that's, that's Lindor. All right. Fair enough. Uh, I I agree with uh, Frank's answer also, which is format Lindor because he's going to give you more overall productivity. But in a points league, I just think Wander Franco every single week is going to give you that floor that you want because I think there's another plateau coming to that power. It could be this year. It could be two years from now, but it's coming. Believe me, it's coming. This guy's a strong kid. He's only 21 years old. Give it some time. Let's have some fun here. Now we're going to really kick things up a notch, as they like to say. Let's go to the outfield. 55 overall, Byron Buxton. Oh, Byron Buxton, what a tease you are every single year. And then 56, George Springer, another guy, fantastic talent, has done it a little bit more than Byron Buxton, but a little older and a bigger risk, and he's not going to steal your bases. So let's put the category at 5 by 5 Roto. Let's say that's the format to make it even here. So no more cop-out answers, quote-unquote. Lauren, <laughs> Byron Buxton or George Springer, which way do you go? Well, I'm going to go George Springer only because it's it's not so much pro Springer. It's just I, I can never buy into <laughs> Byron Buxton. I just... I, I, I get the upside. I understand what's there, and it's very alluring, but it's just... He just that that injury track record, you know, he has one season where he's played over 100 games uh, since 2015. It's it's just that track record there scares me. I tend to be a risk averse drafter. So um, I always steer clear of Byron Buxton um, and I always let someone else uh, reap the possible benefits and the possible upside of Byron Buxton that we have yet to fully see. Byron Buxton or George Springer, Frank Stample, who would you rather have? Yeah, this is another really close one. And I like both of these players quite a bit, but I'm going to go the other way. I'm going to go with Byron Buxton in the five by five categories league. 19 homers, nine steals last year, truly broke out. I mean, he he made serious adjustments, 306 batting average and OPS over a thousand, just absolutely crushes the ball. Buxton, just stay out of your own way. I saw a highlight earlier today where he robbed the home run and he banged into the wall again. Like, how many times do we need to see this happen before he just reins it in a little bit? I get that that's the appeal to him. He's such a fantastic defender, but already in spring training, like, we're getting a worry with Byron Buxton. Not that he left the game or anything, but, oh, man, it, it's like a blessing and a curse, the athleticism that Byron Buxton has. So uh, I understand there's a lot of injury risk, frankly, with both of these guys, but uh, the the overall ceiling, I think, is higher for Byron Buxton. So I'll go with him. All right, I'm going to take a cop-out answer. You ready to break the tie? If it's a league for fun, I'm taking Byron Buxton because that's fun. If it's a league where there's big money on the line, I'm taking George Springer because I'm not stupid. I want the guy who's going to be on the field. And I know Springer has his problems too, but... Oh, Byron Buxton. I hope he is. I hope this year is the Byron Buxton year. 
and he reaches all his potential. And then next year he's a first round pick or whatever the heck people want to make him. But if there's money involved, I just can't do it. All right, let's go to, let's do a pitcher one here. Let's have some fun here. Freddie Peralta, 52 overall, or Kevin Gossman at 54, Frank Stamfel. These guys are neck and neck. Both guys coming off very good years. Both guys a little bit of question because you've got Gossman fading a little bit at the end. New environment, American League East, Freddie Peralta too, pushing himself a little bit higher, the innings limit coming into 2022. So who would you rather have on your team for this season, Peralta or Gossman in your rotation? Yeah, so I'll go with absolutely fantastic. So uh, Freddie Peralta, look, I'm not downplaying Kevin Gossman. I know a lot of people are worried about the park shift going from San Francisco to Toronto. San Francisco has done a great job with pitchers and really everyone recently, Brandon Bell, Brandon Crawford, they're getting the best out of all their players, but he's not just going to forget the things that he learned. So I, I think that Gossman's still going to be very good, but I think that the overall upside, the strikeout ability for Freddie Freeman, you worry a little bit about the innings. How much does he provide this year? Maybe 160, 170, something like that. But if he goes that far, I think we could be looking at 250 strikeouts. And it's a great division to play in too, right? It gets to face the Pirates, the Cubs. Uh, so I'll use that as like a, a tiebreaker here. Freddie Peralta for me. All right, Lauren, Freddie Peralta. I'm with Freddie Peralta. I yeah. Freddie Peralta as well. Um, and it's it's a combo of, I'm a little bit hesitant of, of Gaussman leaving San Francisco, even though he has made improvements uh, as a pitcher since he left Baltimore. Um, but yeah, going back, I, I do kind of buy into that new team going to the AL East. Uh, I think it's a tough division. Um, and so give, give me, you know, give me Freddie Peralta, which I also really like the uh, pitching development uh, kind of crew that they've got over there uh, with the Brewers. So I am all for Freddie Peralta. Great stuff there from Lauren Auerbach and Frank Stanfield. You can follow them on the Twitter machine at Frank underscore Stanfield and LK Auerbach, respectively. Now let's switch gears one more time to talk to Eric Cross, the prospect guru from the Fantasy Baseball Black Book 2022 and Fantrax to talk about the prospects that are going to make impacts in your fantasy seasons. Well, you know what you do at the end of every game, you bring in the closer. So I'm going to the pen and I'm bringing in our friend, your friend, my friend, Eric Cross from Fantrax and the Fantasy Baseball Black Book 2022 on Amazon. He is the prospect guru. We're going to talk about some of the young players here who are going to make an impact in 2022, the top 10 prospects, where they land, and also just get a sense of how guys are starting to perform in spring training already. Eric Cross, thanks for joining us tonight on the show. I know you're excited that baseball is back, but I love spring training because you get to see some of these prospects actually playing against some major league talent. This is one of my favorite things to see in spring. It absolutely is. I just wish I had a chance to get down to Florida a few weeks ago to see some of these guys, but you know, that trip got canceled due to the, uh, you know, the lockout at the time, but yeah, it's gl so glad to have baseball back. A lot of fun, young players in this game. It's going to be a lot of fun this year. Yes, our producer Chris and I were in Arizona thinking we were going to see baseball, but that did not happen. So instead, Chris and I just went out and won a flag football championship because you got to pass the time somehow. Go. That's what you got to do. Let's talk about some of the top 10 prospects. Number one on the list, on pretty much everybody's list, is Bobby Witt Jr. Uh, what are the chances here, Eric Cross, that we're going to see Bobby Witt break camp here as a starter for the Kansas City Royals here in April? Pretty good. And did you see that home run he hit earlier today, Joe? I did. I did. That you was... know I'm a you did, know did I'm you a fan. The... I... <laughs> Do you hear the sound off the bat? It was it was glorious. 
And yeah, he definitely, I think 50 plus percent chance that they seem like they're going to have him probably open as the third baseman. There's look like they're going with Mondesi again at short. We'll see how long that lasts, how long he can stay healthy. But if, especially if Bobby Witt continues to hit, well, obviously it's still very early. It's only been a few, few spring training games, but looks good. Obviously coming off that huge 33 homer, 29 steal season. He's at the highest upside of any prospect in the game right now, even more so than Julio Rodriguez. Like this is a potential guy that, you know, you fast forward a few years, we, we can be talking about him as a first round fantasy player. So very exciting. And the ADP isn't too bad. It's like back in top 100. I don't have really any shares of him. So I think he goes, goes higher than I'm willing to take him, but there's a legit chance at 2020 this year. We, it's prospects. So who knows? But if you got to go all in on one prospect, this might be the guy this year. Yeah, it's the guy for me. And I think in redrafts and dynasty startups, you should be aggressive on Bobby Witt Jr. Uh, I keep comping him to David Wright. I like the inside out swing. The guy's got oppo power. Uh, people forget that David Wright used to steal bases once upon a time. He was a 30-30 kind of guy. <laughs> you know, Wright, Wright was so injuries. good for those few years when he was healthy. Before the back injuries happened, Eric, yeah. David Wright was a 30-30 guy. And people completely forget that part of his career. But I don't, and I remember it, and I think Bobby Witt just has that similar kind of profile, and also defensively, a good defensive player. He yeah. could play shortstop if you needed him to, but he ended up at third base. I feel like Bobby Witt's going to end up at third base if they have their druthers. We'll see if that works out or not. Now, another guy who's high up on the list here, he is number two on the MLB prospect list, is Julio Rodriguez of the Mariners. Now, I want to talk about him, and I want to talk about Kelnick, because Kelnick came up last year, and we all know it did not work out. Julio Rodriguez, those have been the two guys in the system that we've been waiting for. Are we going to see Julio get a shot this year in what could be a little bit more of a crowded outfield situation now? Or do you think it might not be, I should say, maybe it's too late at the end to make a big impact on our 2022 season? Now, I definitely do think he makes a, a pretty good impact this year. I've been kind of... June has been in my mind for when he debuts, and but that might be the, the tail end of the spectrum. From all the everything I've heard, Seattle kind of wants him up early. Now he only made it to Double A end of last year. He has no Triple A experience, and I wonder if Kelnick's struggles make them kind of, you know, play the you know play it easy with with J Rod and make all right. Let's not rush J Rod, even though he's a much better pure hitter than Kelnick. But you know, let's give him some Triple A time and not rush him. Let him come up when he's when he's ready to come up. But that could be very soon. Like he's shown that he has dominated everywhere. The power is elite. Mm -hmm. The hit tool is elite. He's gonna steal a few bags too. It's a very underrated part of his game. But like you said, Seattle's outfield is very crowded, especially after adding Jesse Winker from Cincinnati a handful of days ago. Uh, they also have us have Kelnick out there. Mitch Haniger looks pretty good. Mm -hmm. uh, they'll get Kyle Lewis back at some point. So yeah, there's not an open spot. But Rodriguez is a guy that when they deem him ready and want to bring him up, he'll take someone's spot. You know. Hopefully not Kelnick, because we all know that I'm a huge Kelnick. Well, that fan. was my next question, actually, Eric. <laughs> do you think do you think it's going to be a Kelnick's expense that we get Julio Rodriguez? Because if so, that's something I think we all have to take into account when we're approaching that situation in Seattle. That if Kelnick fails again, that Julio Rodriguez is going to be the guy. So maybe you don't draft Kelnick. Maybe you take Julio Rodriguez super late and you stash him instead. Dude, that's absolutely possible, especially if if Kelnick's struggling. Like you know, if it comes to the end of May, J Rod's tearing it up in AAA. Kelnick's hitting, let's say, two twenty or something like that. I could definitely see them kind of making that swap and putting Kelnick down on AAA. I don't think that's going to happen personally. I don't necessarily have an answer as to who is the odd man out. It'll probably be who's you know if Hanniger gets hurt, maybe there's an injury or which one of them is not playing well. But 
I think if I do think Kelnick's going to turn it around this year, he showed that end of last year, you know, that September was really pr- good from him, made mm. some adjustments. So I don't think he's going to struggle enough to lose a spot, but someone's ha- going to have to when, uh, when Rodriguez is ready and, you know, these things are working, them, working themselves out, who knows, but yeah, Jay Rudd will take someone's spot when he's ready. He's that good. All right, let's move on to the Detroit Tigers. They've got two guys in the top five, Spencer Torkelson and Riley Green. I know you're a huge fan of Riley Green. There's been a lot of buzz around Tigers camp, though, that it's possible Spencer Torkelson might break camp and might be a starter at third base for this team. Uh, They went out and they spent on Javi Baez. They spent on Eduardo Rodriguez. They made some moves. They're trying to compete again. The Tigers are. So is Torkelson another of these guys that right now in 2022, polished hitter, got some pop in the bat, can he contribute right away when he gets the call? I think he definitely could. And, you know, one thing that I was really impressed by when I saw him out in Arizona last fall was he was just using the entire field. Like I didn't, I think he had maybe one extra base hit in seven games, but he was just using the entire field going the other way. And that was really encouraging to see. And his, he kept his K rate. It was in the 21, 22% range overall last year. Greens was a bit higher, but Torkelson has that chance to be, you know, Pete Alonzo, maybe a little more average, a little slightly less power. I don't think he quite has Alonzo power, but 35 homer, middle of the order bat. And, you know, both the uh, ADPs on him and Riley Green are pretty decent. Like, Torque's around like 250, 260. Green about 30 to 40 picks later, around 290, 300. Mm-hmm. So, for what the, each of these guys can bring to the table and the fact that they're going to be up early, if it's not opening day, it's going to be very early, you know, by middle of May at the absolute latest for both, I think. They're both pretty good, you know, especially with how. So you think Riley Green makes it this year, too? Oh, absolutely. I'd say both these guys are up by the by Memorial Day, the absolute latest. I think they both be pretty good impact fantasy assets this year for sure. Do you have a comp for Riley Green, like for people in Dynasty who really maybe haven't seen him play uh, all that much and don't really have a beat on him yet? How would you compare him or statistically give a comparison to at the very least? (sighs) I, I, I stink at comps, but. (laughs) <laughs> Something like like a early career Michael Brantley with more category juice is one I've kind of thought of. Or people don't remember how good Michael Brantley was. A, Michael Brantley was very good in five he was, categories he, back in the day. Yeah, absolutely. He always, he always got underrated. And obviously, he's he's in the back half of his career now. But yeah, the early career Michael Brantley with a yeah with a bit more category juice. I think that could be what Riley Green is. All right, Grayson Rodriguez, one of the few bright spots in the Orioles system right now that we're looking at, uh, right-handed pitcher there. Um, I know it's positive long-term, theoretically, that they've made the adjustments to the ballpark, that's for sure. But Grayson Rodriguez, obviously, there's probably not going to be much push for Baltimore to be pushing any of their prospects right away. What's the long-term outlook for a guy like this? Is he your number one pitcher on the board the way he is in MLB's list? He is. It's it's basically a toss up with him and Shane Boz, and obviously that unfortunate little injury there with Boz with the with the elbow. But it's basically. A but with Boz, time. this was just removing fragments, right? This was yeah. this was more of a cleanup kind of situation, right? So hopefully that's not a long term issue. It doesn't sound like it should be, but yeah, both him and Shane Boz are I think are going to be absolute studs. I had a chance to see Rodriguez live last year in August down in uh, in Pennsylvania, and he came as advertised. Four pitches above average to plus. Changeup is really good. Fastballs mid to upper 90s. Command and control, very polished as well. All the metrics on him are just off the charts. So, and he, and he has that like durable frontline frame too. A guy that could go deep in the starts, deep, you know, pitch 180 plus innings year after year. So he checks off all the boxes you look for in, in a frontline guy that can lead a pitching staff. And I think he's going to. 
be a very good arm right away when that is. I don't know. I've kind of been feeling mid-season with him. He got up to double-A last year. He probably, I could see them starting him at triple-A this year, but I don't think they're going to rush him. They have no reason to. Obviously, Baltimore is not going anywhere anytime soon. So maybe you see a July-August debut, uh, enough to make an impact later in the season. But we've seen with with pitching prospects, they can take a little bit longer to kind of establish themselves and get that footing at the major league level. So he's one that, you know, if you have super deep benches, I can see stashing him or try to jump the gun and get him a week or two before his call up. Cause you have to spend a lot in fab to get this guy with, with the pedigree and the buzz around him. All right. Guys got a lot of buzz and pedigrees. Number nine on the list. It's CJ Abrams shortstop of the Padres. Now with the Tatis injury, there's certainly a door open for CJ Abrams to potentially play. And that's been the whole question is where CJ Abrams going to play. Is he going to change positions? What's going to happen? Now I like CJ Abrams a lot as a player. I've watched him play enough. I've been watching him in the spring. He looks really good to me. He looks like he could come and do it. And I feel like the Padres are a team that's in all the way. Like they are completely in, they're going to be super aggressive. It would not shock me if they just said, you know what? The best chance we have to win baseball games out of the gate with Tatis on the shelf is putting CJ Abrams at check at shortstop. Excuse me. Do you think that that's something they're going to strongly consider? Because it feels like the Padres have been very aggressive these last two years. And that would certainly kind of stick with a theme. Yeah, no, they definitely have. You know, remember, was it 2019 when they stuck uh, Tatis and I think it was Chris Paddock? They both brought them up on the opening right. roster. Yeah. So, yeah, they have sh- they have shown that desire to be aggressive in the past. They've always been an aggressive team. So. I wouldn't 100% rule it out, but I think there'd be a much better chance if Abrams didn't miss so much time last year after his injury. I think he already played right around a quarter of the season last year. Season kind of ended, I think it was in mid-May or late May or so. Long-term, Abrams is going to be a stud. Like Especially if mm-hmm. the power develops, like the hit tool is there. He's a hit 280-plus, top-of-the-order guy, good on base, keeps the Ks down, speed is elite. Like This could be 35, 40 steals oh, over he's a terrific, season. Man. Yeah, and, the if real that, deal. and if that power comes along, like I like I think it's going to, and a lot of people expect it to, like if, even if he gets to like 15 to 18 homer bat, you know, flirting with 20, that's going to be a dynamic, like early round fantasy player. I don't know where he ends up. I don't know if they keep Tatis at short long term. If they move Abrams to second outfield, we'll see. But he's going to be a damn good fantasy asset whenever he's up. I can see later this year. I I, st- I think they have other options they can plug in, like Hasan Kim, for example. Uh, that can get them by until Tatis is back. So that's why I kind of still lean towards him not debuting early this year, maybe for the you know, second half run if they're in postseason contention. But uh, he's a guy more so 2023 impact, I'm thinking, though. See, I've seen enough, Kim. I'm not impressed. I I'm just, not, I just I'm not either, but I, don't I just know. don't. I, I think that experiment is done, and I think San Diego feels a little bit of panic because Freddie Freeman's now a, a Los Angeles Dodger and Clayton Kershaw came back and – I just don't think they want to fall far behind the Dodgers. I think they're going to be aggressive. I, if I had to put a comp statistically, you know, that Whit Merrifield kind of line that he throws up there some years to me, that's what Abrams can be. Like he makes that kind of contact. I just think this kid's tremendous talent. What about Anthony Volpe? Another shortstop who's in the top 10 list of the Yankees. Typically, you know, you get these Yankee prospects. They can be grossly overvalued sometimes because they're Yankee prospects. Is Volpe one of those guys or is he the real deal for you? He is the real deal. And I've said it before. I hate how much I love Anthony Volpe because I'm a Red Sox fan <laughs> through and through. Hate the Yankees, but I love Anthony Volpe. He's the real deal. Like, he, if you're in a dynasty league, buy high on him, buy whatever the price tag is. This is probably still going to go up. Obviously, he was maybe the biggest breakout this past year. Obviously, now he's a top 10 prospect basically everywhere, some, somewhere is top five. 
He can hit for average. He can hit for power. He has a speed element. You know, this could be, you know, a Mookie bet. I've heard, I've heard some Mookie Betts comps thrown mm-hmm. on Anthony Volpe. He's a bit, bit smaller of a guy. He's not this big, imposing shortstop like we've come to know over the last you know, handful of years with all these guys that have come up. But he, like I said, he can just do everything and do it incredibly well. They also have Oswald Peraza there, who's a bit closer uh, to ma- being major league ready. But Volpe's a guy that he's flown through the system already. He is hit everywhere he's excelled everywhere where this could be a second half of the year and if they're if they trade away torres or if he's hurt or not performing you know they could bring up volpe and he could be an impact bat from day one he's kind of i think a similar timeline in eta as abrams i'm thinking so probably more 2023 but he is 110 legit buy high get all the volpe shares you can because <laughs> i think this guy's going to be terrorizing my red Sox for better part, better part of the next decade well, I, a lot of people forget that Mookie Betts started out as a second baseman. I remember passing on him in a dynasty league going in a rookie draft saying, man, I like this Mookie Betts kid so much, but he's a second baseman and Pedroia is there. When's that guy ever going to leave? Well, always, always take the talent. It yep. doesn't matter what position they play. Take the talent every single time. There's a lot of catchers getting a lot of buzz. Francisco Alvarez of the Mets, Adley Rutschman of the Orioles, Gabriel Moreno of the Blue Jays, Joey Bart, also a young catcher in San Francisco. I know it's very difficult with catchers, especially I'm Kyber Ruiz. You can even throw into that mix too. A lot of young catchers. How do you, how do you react to them in dynasty leagues? Because it's very difficult as a young catcher. You got to come up and kind of take over the staff and worry about all that. Sometimes offense gets put on the shelf a little bit. And they don't worry about it as much. Is there one of these catchers that stands out head and shoulders above the rest to you? There is Adley Richmond. I think he's going to be an MVP caliber player. Like he is just as good as Buster Posey was as good as Joe Mauer. Like he's at that type of upside. And a lot of these catchers are super exciting. Like I've, I wrote in a catcher article not too long ago about how this is probably the most exciting like crop of catching process we've seen maybe ever. Like there's just so many good catch. You you named a lot of them. There's a lot more. You know, Henry Davis, Harry Ford, Soderstrom. Mm-hmm. He probably moves off the position, but there's just endless amounts of catching talent there. Moreno is a guy I saw in Double A uh, earlier on in 2021. That dude is an absolute hitting machine. And we'll see what they do in Toronto. They already have Jansen and Kirk there. Right. You got to think some somebody gets traded. You can't have three catchers. I don't know what's in the water up there with cat, with catchers <laughs> in Toronto. But he's a very good offensive player. He could be like a top ten fancy catcher. Same thing with Alvarez. He's a bit more power oriented. He could be a 25-30 homer bat. So yeah, we we've kind of shied away from catchers in the past. We've all done it. You know, catchers are you know they are what they are. But we could be entering a new era for fantasy catchers where the talent is just so extensive in the minor leagues right now. And a lot of them being debuting this year that I think I'm okay buying. And like, I've, I've bought into all of these guys in one way or another in dynasty, Kibir Ruiz, even who saw the, the power tick up this past year, he right. could be a top five you know, catcher long-term. So yeah, definitely buy, buy the hype because all these guys are definitely legit from what I've seen. Let's talk about some young players having some really good springs. Hunter Green looked really good on the mound. You know that's my dude. You know I love me some Hunter Green. The guy throws absolute smoke up there. And with the way the Cincinnati Reds are turning this roster over, and now Luis Castillo is hurt, 
I think there's a small chance he might be with the rotation to start. What do you think about Green's chances, if not at the start, at least making, let's say, maybe 20 starts at the big league level this year? I was already, even before the Castillo injury and then they dealt away Sony Gray, I was kind of had him pegged for like 12 to 15. So with the, with that trade plus Castillo's injury, yeah, I think that 20 is definitely within you know the realm possibility. And Lodolo should get some starts as well. I think mm-hmm. Green's going to get more this year. But yeah, Green is absolutely electric. You mentioned triple digits on the fastball. Slider has come a long way as well. Yeah, this could be a potential frontline guy there. And I'm kind of glad that they kept at least a couple of their, you know, their major league guys at like Castillo and Tyler Molly, because have those guys anchoring the rotation while all these young guys come up, the two we mentioned, plus Brendan Williamson, they have a few others. They have a lot of good, you know, prospect talent on on the mounds in Cincinnati right now. So, you know, I'm not, you know, in love with that ballpark, obviously, from a fantasy perspective for Green, but this is a guy that could rack up the strikeouts. Maybe you know, maybe he's more of like a three five ERA guy because of that ballpark, but he could be like a Jose Barrios. He gives me ten K per nine. He could exactly. three five himself all day long. <laughs> exactly. So maybe the rate, maybe it's a three five ERA, but he's gonna have a ton of strikeouts like a Jose Barrios. So I think he could be, you know, that guy that we're looking at as a top twenty five, you know, starting pitcher for fantasy for a long time. Yeah, I love Green and Lodolo too. He's very underrated as well. I agree. I, I but I agree, and I still have a, a tick above Lodolo. Sometimes the uh, agreed, yeah. yeah, just a little bit longer. I think in the train for Lodolo, Anil Cruz off to a very hot start. And I know this is always a very tempting thing, you know. Spring home runs, everyone gets excited. Spring ball parks are tiny. Wind blows out some days, but still, Anil Cruz is a big boy with a big bat. Uh, what are your thoughts on Anil Cruz and his value this year in 2022, and maybe even beyond? I love O'Neill Cruz. He is, it's hard not to love O'Neill Cruz. He's 6'7 with elite raw power. I think he might actually be taller than that. It was was funny. Every year I wrote him up, you know, every offseason, it was like he grew another two inches. (laughs) 6'3, 6'5, 6'7. But well, you don't see a lot of big short. I mean, A Rod was a big shortstop. Cal Ripken was a tall shortstop, much taller than people realize. Cal Ripken was much bigger, especially for the time. But it's not something you see very often. You don't see very tall shortstops in the major leagues. Right, and, and I think that's led a lot of people to be like, oh, he'll move off to third or wherever, but they got to keep Ryan Hayes at third, very good defensive third baseman, and Cruz has shown that he's got solid range. Will he be a gold glover? Probably not, but can he play a, a decent enough shortstop early on in the career? Sure, then maybe you know he moves over to, I don't know, first out corner outfield, who knows, but yeah, I think he could stick it short, and the bat is, the power is legit. Obviously, the big frame, Major League Arms will exploit that. He's a bigger strike zone. Uh, he doesn't have necessarily strikeout issues, but I think his career has been like low to mid-20s for most part of his minor league career, but that'll probably be exposed. So maybe the average isn't great initially, but you know, if you're looking for this year's Jazz Chisholm, he doesn't quite have the speed of a Chisholm, but you know, right. he gives you give him near a full season of a bat, you could see 25 home runs and you know, 10 to 12 steals. Maybe the average is 250, but That'll play. And he's going right around, I think, pick 200, 225 in that general ballpark. So the price tag isn't too bad. And that top of the lineup for Pittsburgh, the bottom of the lineup was going to suck. But that top of the lineup with him and Hayes and, and Brian Reynolds, and Reynolds super, at the top, yeah. super underrated. It could be a decent like one through four in the lineup. So, yeah, I'm definitely yeah, buying agree. Cruz this year. I'm with you on that. All right, let's talk about one of your dudes, Jaron Duran, a young outfielder for the Boston Red Sox. Got a taste last year. Uh, mixed bag, I would say. What are your thoughts on Duran for this season? 
mixed bag is the perfect way to describe Jaron Duran right now because I saw him a lot when he came through here, double A 2019. I probably saw him 15, 20 times, maybe more than that. And it was, you know, a hit and speed profile with not a lot of power. Then he made those adjustments with the, with the hand slot at, at the alternate site in 2020, unlocked a lot more power, but the contact rate went down, the K rate went up. So I'm like, what type of player is he going to be long-term? I'm still trying to figure that out. But the power speed is there. I do think Fenway Park hurts his, his power a little bit because, like I've said, if you don't have David Ortiz power, Rafael Devers power, we've seen like Benintendi and Verdugo, guys that are probably 20 homer bats get kind of suppressed a bit because once you go past Pesky's pole, the, it, it shoots out and the bullpens are th- like 380, 385. So it's not as much of a you know hitters for park for right-handed hitters as people want to imagine, especially for power. So I still mm-hmm. think he's only like a 15 homer guy, but he could be 15 to 20 steals. And maybe I just don't think the average is going to be quite there, but he could start. I don't know. They haven't really brought in any other outfielder. Conforto still out there. Who knows? But he could get a chance to start here. If, if he has a good spring, they could definitely start him. Uh, over Jackie Bradley Jr. and he could he could be a decent late round asset, but I'm actually I think one of the lower people around on Duran. I've just seen a lot. I'm not I don't like the profile change. I think he could have been better as a hit speed type of guy. If he's only hitting two fifty two sixty, I'm not quite as intrigued as I once was. But nice little power speed blend, and those are hard to find, especially late. So he's worth a late round flyer for sure. Is there anybody else who's impressed you so far this spring that you've seen? They really opened up your eyes or maybe you thought maybe this kid is going to be a little closer to the big leagues than we thought from what you've seen maybe in these first few at-bats or first few innings that guys have thrown. Yeah, Max Meyer with the uh, Miami Marlins has looked really, Hmm. really good. Obviously, Miami has so many arms, even without Sixto. And and who knows when he plays. Maybe it's midseason. Maybe it's not at all. They still have so many arms. Uh, They still are trying to find a spot for Edward Cabrera, who debuted late last year, but Max Meyer, I think, is a top five pitching prospect in baseball. Really good fastball, really good slider. That's one of the best sliders in the minor leagues right now. Solid changeup as well, and he's shown pretty good command and control of his entire arsenal. I think he could be like a number two starter long term, maybe a top 30 to 40 fantasy arm with a lot of strikeouts. So maybe he gets a shot. I'll probably start in AAA, but he might be one of the first ones they, they would call on, and they've seen we've seen Pablo Lopez can't stay healthy for an entire season. So... You could see a Max Meyer come up at some point, maybe even May, June, and provide solid ratios and a lot of strikeouts. He's looked really good this spring. So that's just a name to kind of tuck away and just keep an eye on for midseason. That was Eric Cross. You can follow him on the Twitter machine at EricCross04 and check out all his great work in the Fantasy Baseball Black Book 2022 and at Fantrax as well. I want to thank all of you for listening to the best of the fest today. And don't forget, you can get an Austin Riley autographed jersey. All you got to do is subscribe to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash MLB, and then head over to fantasypros.com slash contest. Again, that's fantasypros.com slash contest for details. Also, don't forget about our MLB draft kit available right now at fantasypros.com slash kit. It's free, and it'll help you dominate your upcoming drafts, whether it be salary cap, whether it be snake, it doesn't matter. Printable cheat sheets, sleepers, bus, draft strategy, prospect articles, all in one place for your hands and your mind. So go over to fantasypros.com slash kit right now to get involved. And remember, if you want to watch our entire unedited four-hour action spectacular over on our YouTube channel, you can right now. Fantasy Pros MLB channel is there on YouTube for you. Four glorious hours of fantasy baseball chat. 
That'll do for us, but the story of the game goes on. For all of our friends here, Fantasy Pros, I'm Joey P. We'll see you next time, kids.